Amen. I'm glad I know where my home is at. Amen. I'm glad that there's a place called heaven. Remain standing, please. Take your Bibles. Turn with me to the book of Nehemiah tonight. Book of Nehemiah. I'm not exactly sure where to find it. You can find Psalms right there. Just back it up to Job. And then you'll come to the book of Esther. And then you'll come to the book of Nehemiah. It'll help you find a little bit there. Uh, Nehemiah chapter number 8. And we'll look at verse number 1. Book of Nehemiah, and uh, that was a great, great lesson here for us again this evening. I, uh, I'm so glad you're all here this evening. I, I come up from men's prayer time, and I saw some kids looking around the corner, uh, looking for me to come up. And I thought, oh, bless their hearts. They're excited. The preacher's here. They put a snake on my door. It was a rubber snake. Thank goodness it's a rubber snake, because it was a real snake. We had had problems, amen? You know, I pack, brother, okay, so watch it now. And uh, so, but uh, I, I looked up there, and they said, look up there. And I looked, and here's this coiled snake on my door. And uh, they were having a good time, the girls. They were laughing. I saw gum flying out of one's mouth. And uh, it was so funny to them. But it wasn't funny to me. And uh, I'm, glad it wasn't, I'm glad it wasn't real. And, uh, but th- I'll tell you what, you know what the kids did? They threw their grandpa under the bus. I said, who did that? They said, well, it was, Pap- it was what do you call him? Poppy. It was Poppy's idea. <laughs> And uh, so I know who to be mad at tonight, all righty. But uh, I'll tell you what, I, something was up, but thank the Lord. I, that's pretty funny. I don't like snakes. Anybody else don't like snakes? Amen. Yeah, amen. <laughs> You're in the minority, buddy. I'll tell you right now. You guys like snakes, don't you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, let's look at the Bible and not think about bad things like that, all righty. Now, we're going to read some verses here, and there's some names and whenever you get to names, it's difficult sometimes. They don't have, like, John and Bill, all right? There's a Peter once in a while, but these are some strange names and hard names to say. So if you're not too sure what to say when we come to the name, just do the best you can. I'm going to do the best I can. I've got a microphone, so everybody's going to hear my mistake. But uh, we're going to see what it is. Don't worry about what their names were so much. What happened here? was something interesting. I read verse 1, you join me on verse number 2, and then we'll go on down through verse number 12. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein, before the street that was before the water gate, from the morning until midday, before the men and the women and those that could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for this purpose, and beside him stood Matthiah, and Shema, and Aniah, and Urijah, and Hilkiah, and Mas- and his right hand, and on his left hand, Padiah, and Mishael, and Malachiah, and Hashem, and Zechariah, and Meshulam. I always want to say Hashpadana, but that's Hashpadana, all righty. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen with lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also Jeshua and Bani and Sherebiah and Jamin and Akab and Shabbatiah, Hadijah, 
Messiah, Kalita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Peliah, and the Levites caused the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. So they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them understanding the reading. In Nehemiah, which is the Tirshatha and Ezra, the priests of the scribe and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Hold your peace, for the day is holy, neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. And let's ask the Lord to bless now. Father, thank you again for the opportunity to come to church this evening. What a wonderful thing it is to be able to have Sunday nights that we can gather together. That just always makes me think about the family gathering together. And Lord, I just thank you for these dear people. Lord, we love these folks. And Lord, I'm just glad that we have this place to come to. And I pray that you'll speak to us this, this evening. Help our hearts to be tender now. And we'll thank you. Save the one who may be here without you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. The title of my message tonight is The Pulpit. The Pulpit. And uh, we find the first, mention of the, word, the first mention of the word pulpit here in this verse. In fact, it's the only mention of the word pulpit. Now, just because a word is used one time doesn't mean it's not important. It was, it's still important. And uh, I, I think we understand that it's an important piece of furniture in the church house. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for uh, 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 the pulpit that we have tonight. Uh, the, it is in a very conspicuous place. It's in front. It's elevated uh, up and uh, uh, for us all to be able to see it. And uh, I know I stand behind this pulpit. But uh, when people come in here, I want their attention to be towards the pulpit. Uh, some, some churches, uh, different denominations, they'll have a pulpit over on the side and uh, something like that. And uh, many, many churches today are uh, building their churches without pulpits. And they have the band up on the platform and they have a little uh, lectern or a little stand with a stool in front. And they just kind of did away with the pulpit. I'm still old-fashioned enough to believe in a pulpit. Amen. And uh, the Bible tells me here it was a pulpit uh, that, that was, was, was uh, uh, there. He stood upon a pulpit of wood. And uh, just by the way... It's a pulpit of wood this evening, and uh, we don't have a plexiglass one, you know, so you can see if my pants are, are ironed or not. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a pulpit of wood. I, I think there's something to that. Now, if someone doesn't have a pulpit of wood, doesn't mean they're backslidden. It just means they're not as smart as I am. And, uh, but uh, I, I don't think that's really necessarily anything to have a problem with. But I, I'm, I'm, I think it's interesting when God mentions a pulpit one time in the Bible, he tells us a little bit about it being elevated and how that it's made out of, out of wood. Many, and, and the thing is that as, as I believe the right kind of church, the, the church ought to be built around the pulpit. And because that's where the word of God is preached. Uh, many times today, the church is built around the family life center. Now, I'm not really against the Family Life Center, but I'll tell you what, there's no Family Life Center as important as the church house where the pulpit's at. 
I believe it's not how much fun we can play. I believe it's about getting the Word of God once again. And we see a, such a lack of that. But uh, we, we, we see that happening. We see the pulpit was once a place of a reverence by man, where man thought that was something special. We didn't get up and have a bunch of uh, crazy stuff going on. We did, the pulpit was there because it was reverence that that's where the man of God stands, and the man of God preaches the Word of God. And so it's an important place for us there. It's oftentimes called the sacred desk, the sacred desk. And uh, again, uh, the, the, that it's not something light that we take, that it's uh, an important part of the, of the furniture of the church. I believe the pews are important, the piano is important, and uh, everything, the baptistry is important. But uh, we've got to have to, for all those other things to be right, we need to have the right pulpit. We need the preaching from the Word of God. Sadly enough, there are many today that will stand behind a pulpit that are nothing more than just uh, hirelings, where it's not the love of the Word of God. I thank God for this Bible, amen. I love this book. I believe this book before I believe anyone else, amen. And you say, well, scientists say, the scientists say that there was a big explosion one day and the world came into being. But my Bible tells me in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God spoke it into existence, amen. I still believe that. And I'm still going to preach that from the word of God. And, uh, uh, but many, many today are just the hirelings. They're interested in their own agenda and they're not standing upon the word of God. They try to, it's kind of like they check the wind they lick their finger and hold it up to see which way the wind's blowing. And I'll tell you what, the wind's been blowing the wrong direction for a long time. But I know that the word of God is still true. And I've still got to stick with it and find out what it says. It made me upset again. I, I was reading a little bit of the news and, and uh, there's some people upset. And thank the Lord they were upset when they saw a picture of our, of our president standing there on the uh, south lawn or whatever lawn it was. But there when they had, the, they had two American flags and in the center between the American flags was the gay pride flag. Let me tell you something. Number one, that is not the way, that is not the law of the way the flags are supposed to be. I don't believe there ought to have been a gay flag there. Amen. Say, preacher, you need, to, you need to be woke. I am woken up. I'm woken up to the Word of God. Amen. I know what the Bible says. and what, that's, uh, uh, that's a whole other sermon right there. I won't get into it. But I look at that and I think, you know, how, how terrible uh, that is. And, and, and you say, well, how do we ever get somewhere like that? I believe it's because the pulpit's cooled off. The pulpit's cooled off. One day there was the pulpit that was respected by God's people, but even that has changed today. Now people come to church with an, with an attitude of take it or leave it. You know, when we hear, thus saith the Lord, we ought to take it. Amen. That's why I encourage you always bring your Bible to church with you. You know, bring your Bible. Why? You say, because I, I, I say this, bring your Bible so you can know what the Word of God has to say. Bring your Bible so you know it's not just what pastor thinks. I, mean, I think I may mention the other day about this. You know, some people, they go by what the pastor says. And I, I thank the Lord if you have the right kind of pastor, you can kind of do that. But you need to search the scriptures and see if what he's saying is right. And so we find three important things happen here in this portion of scripture. If you look at verse number two, we find three things real important. Look at verse number two again. First of all, it was God's man and Ezra the priest. That was God's man. And I know it calls him a priest there. He wasn't, he wasn't like from the uh, Roman Catholicism. Uh, this, this Ezra, he was the priest. What did he do? That's number one, God's man. And then we find there's God's method. And what did Ezra do? And Ezra the priest brought 
He brought the word of God. He brought the law before the congregation. And so the method is this, that we bring the word of God. I have been preparing all week long for tonight. I prepared all week long for this morning for my Sunday school class. And I start out on Monday morning. Tomorrow morning I will be at it again. Prepare something to bring to you. Because I see the importance of the pulpit. I'm, I'm, I, you know, there's a lot better preachers than me in all the world I know. But the fact of the matter is, every preacher ought to say this. I need to prepare and bring the word of God. So there was the man of God. And then there was the word of God that, or, or, or the method. And that was, that was, it was brought. And then there's the message. And what they brought was the law. The message we bring is not what some guy at a lot of churches say, you know, they, they go through the, uh, I heard someone just the other day saying, well, in our church, we're going through the Dave Ramsey thing of money, how to handle money. Let me tell you something. He may have some good ideas. I'm not too sure. But I, I know this. You don't need to come and learn about money. You need to come and learn about God. You know, and I'm not going to cancel Sunday school to have Dave, Dave Ramsey or anybody else. I'm not going to get some guy's book from California like they did some years ago. And they got his book, and they began to put their Bibles aside, and they got the book. Mark it down. That church that did that, when they put the Word of God away, they are not the church they used to be. They figured they could get away. What did they do? They messed with the pulpit. And so there's God's man, God's method, and God's message and so God's man brought the word of God, and I believe how there's great value in the word of God. The Bible says in Psalm 19.10, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. In other words, I begin to think the sweetness of the word of God. That's what he said there. It's sweeter also than the honeycomb. You know, I thank the Lord how sweet this Bible is. Amen. You got people today. You know, there was a man in, uh, where was that? Was he, in, was he in Washington State or Oregon, somewhere out there? A bunch of, bunch of liberals, you know, which is about anywhere anymore. But, uh, you know, he was doing, they were having one of these pride rallies, and the man was out there. And what he had was he had a poster with a scripture verse on it. And what he was doing, he was quoting scripture. He went to jail. For quoting scripture. Now he did get released and I read where they said that they're a little afraid they might, they might have a lawsuit. I believe that guy ought to sue them for everything they have. Now I'm not for lawsuits. But I'm like, give it to the liberals, amen. You know, suck them dry, amen. You know, take all their money. That's all right with me. You say, well, preacher, you need to have love. I have love. I love God. And I love the word of God, and I'm going to preach the word of God. And you know what? I love sinners, too. You see, and that's, that's one thing about it. The police officer said, the man said, you can't do this hate stuff. He says, I'm not doing it because I hate, hate them. I love people. That's why you preach the word of God. For God so loved the world, but what did God give us? He gave us his word. He gave us his word. The importance of God's word in Job 23, 12, neither have I gone back from the commandments of his lips. I've esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. He saw the importance of it. And so tonight I want us to look at the pulpit tonight and give some applications about the pulpit in the church today. You know, a lot of pulpits are not what they used to be, and there's many pulpits that are sitting in a dark room right now. No Sunday night, no Wednesday nights. If all of a sudden, you know, it looks like it might be rain, they'll cancel the service on Sunday morning. And I thought how sad it is. And even when they did come, there probably wasn't the word of God. And by the way, there's not many Bibles. There's only one real Bible. Amen. And so the importance of the pulpit. Begin to think, you know, the pulpit needs to be a place of desire. We ought to desire it. Amen. 
Yeah. I like donuts. Anybody else like donuts? Man, if you're right with God, you love donuts. Amen. I like donuts. I know I shouldn't eat it. You said, preacher, you got diabetes, you shouldn't have it. Let me die happy. I like donuts. I don't need a bunch of them there, but I do like them. And sometimes I'll be with my wife. We go out, you know, and get stuff. And we, she always tags along with me. And uh, uh, so I try to go any time other than meal times, uh, because there's restaurants out there. But uh, we, 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 go, we go a lot. I, she always is with me all the time. But I, I sometimes say, you know what we need to do? We need to stop and get a donut and have some coffee tonight. I keep telling her it would be so romantic. I don't care about romantic anymore. I'm 69 years old. I want a donut. But I figure if I say it'd be so romantic, it might help her to stop, you know, we'll stop and get it. Amen. A good excuse. Trying to save my marriage. <laughs> oh, my. But, but you know what? I, 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 have, I have a desire for donuts sometimes. You know what I'll do? If I have that desire for donuts, I'll go get donuts. I want to have a desire for the Word of God. Amen. <laughs> you'll, not got, you'll not get diabetes from the Word of God. Amen. You know, I'll get that. It'll only help you. And I thought, what a, what a need we have today, a desire. And I believe that's what was happening here. And the Bible said in verse number one, and all the people gathered themselves together as one man. I thought it was interesting. How, how did this come about here from reading the word of God? All the people gathered themselves. They, it was them. They said, hey, we need to be there. We need to go. We need to hear the word of God. There was desire there for them to have the word of God. And it sounds to me like they initiated the whole situation. You know what? You know, I'm always here first. You know what this looks like to me was happening. Everybody else was there first. Can you imagine? I'm not going to be here. I'm not going to come in at the last minute. You know, I may seem like on a Sunday night we're down men's prayer time, but I've been here a long time again. And uh, but 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 you know what? What? Can you imagine a preacher? He goes, "Well, it's time for me to have church service again. I better go down to church." He gets to church and the parking lot's full and the pews are full. When he gets there, could you imagine that? I believe a preacher would almost have a heart attack. Please don't give me one, all right? And uh, I, I can imagine they would almost fall over thinking, what in the world? You know what you would say? You would say, man, those people are ready for church. Boy, they want to have some church. You know, we as God's people ought to be ready for church. There ought to be the desire to be, to be in church. And the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, as newborn babes, that's newborn babes, talking about Christians, someone that's been born. It says, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Now, notice what it said. He said, they desire the word of God. They desire the sincere milk of the word of God. There's that desire in that young Christian. Thank the Lord. We ought to have a desire for the milk of the word of God we ought to have a desire for the meat of the work of word of God we ought to always have a desire for the word of God amen a desire the Bible says in Psalm 119 97 oh how love I thy law it is the meditation all it is my meditation all the day we talked about about um, Paul this morning in first Thessalonians in Sunday school we said that he continually thought about his mind was upon the people of Thessalonica. Those people, they, he loved them so much. And, and because of, one of the things was because of their great faith. And I thought, you know what? He was always, his mind was continuously always on them. You know, our mind ought to be upon the word of God. Different things that happen ought to bring up some scripture verses to us. Our mind ought to be upon it. The results of loving God's word, uh, we, we find that, there's, that we'll, we'll hate vain thoughts. Psalms 119 verse 113 says, I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. Vain thoughts means empty, no substance, no value there. Also, the results of loving God's law will hate 
hate and abhor lying. Psalm 119, 163, I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love. We also find that nothing shall offend them if we love God's law. Psalm 119, 165, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. You know what? A person that's always offended probably has a problem with the word of God, according to the word of God. And it offends me. I know sometimes people say things that may offend us, but you know what? We all just get over it and love the law, law of God. Uh, you know, nothing ought to stop us from following God's word. Nothing. The pulpit should be a place of desire. The pulpit should also be a place of unity. The Bible says, and all the people, in verse 1 again, all the people gathered themselves together, notice this, as one man. They were in unity there. Boy, thank the Lord. I'm glad when I say, you know, there's only one Bible. I'm glad there's nobody standing up going, well, I, I beg to differ with you. That's like committing suicide to stand up in a church like this and do that, right? I beg differ with you. Well, you may beg all you want to, but let me tell you, buddy, I got the pulpit, and, and it's, it's our church, and we're going to preach this book. <laughs> but there was unity. I thank the Lord for unity in the church. Yeah. <laughs> I won't ask this. Don't answer me until you think about it a little bit. But if I said, how many of you are here because you have to be here? I don't think there'd be any hands up. Maybe my wife's, but, but uh, you know, I mean, no hands up saying, well, I, I'm here because I have to. I believe even you, you, you young fellows here, you're here because you're here you want to be here, right? Right answer, right answer. Okay, good. Amen. We're here because we want to be here tonight. And we're in unity. You ever see Congress? <laughs> You got this one, and you're just a dirty, rotten thing, and you're even dirtier, rotten than I am, and what happens? There is no unity. They take a vote, and they can't get along on it. You can't get Republicans with Republicans and Democrats with Democrats. No unity. But you know where there ought to be unity? In the house of God. What brings that unity? Get behind the pulpit and preach the word of God. That's one, that's, that's one of the reasons why we came to church tonight, not because of me, but we came because the word of God is being brought to us. There's a unity. Thank the Lord for it. Uh, the people were in one accord. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. I believe that was one of the reasons why there was such a blessing at Pentecost. People were all in one accord. You know, this fussing in churches today, there ought not be. You know, so, well, I just don't like them. I'm all, if they're sitting on that side, I'm not sitting on that side. Oh, get right with God. You don't sit anywhere. You come directly to, the pul directly to the altar and get right with God, and you can be able to sit wherever you want to sit. Amen. We ought, we ought to be in a place of unity, and that's what the pulpit will do for us. The pulpit should also be a place of purpose. Verses 1 and 2 again, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. They spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book. Again, notice what happened. The people said, Bring the book. For the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. That kind of tells me this. They were bringing their youngins too. Now, I understand some kids don't understand everything's going on. they got to have their little junior church. they got to be taught some things downstairs in the junior church right now. They could not handle this. But you know what? I, I, th I don't think we give our kids enough credit. To help them understand this, they can understand what the preacher's saying. 
I just have this idea here. If a kid's old enough to go to school and sit all day in school, they can come up in church and listen to some preaching for a half hour, 45 minutes, two hours, three hours, whatever. <laughs> Amen. I believe they can do it. They can learn. They can hear. Thank the Lord. People say, well, you can't do it. Yes, you can. It takes a little discipline. I remember when Mark back there, it's so nice to be able to see Mark stay in a service. Because when he was little, he didn't get to stay in the services. He'd be there, and we were down that building down below there, and there was, and, and he'd be back sitting back there. My wife be sitting with him, and all of a sudden, I'd see her get up and take Mark with him, with her. And I knew what was going to happen. They were going back there to have cookies. No, no, he, he's going back there. And he's about ready to get a spank, is what he got. And all of a sudden, he'd come back in. He was good for a little while until she had to take him out again. But you know what? Now he kind of behaves once in a while. You know. The kids need the word of God too. You know, the pulpit ought to be a place where, 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 where people will come in unity and, and be in that one place and, and also a place of purpose. And the purpose is that we would listen to the word of God. And where it said, I don't think I finished that verse, where it said the congregation, both the men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the, of the seventh month. You know, there was a purpose for them coming there, and that was to hear the word of God. The Bible says in, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. And you say, what's the purpose of preaching? Well, one of the things is salvation. You know, we always give the plan of salvation, don't we? We always tell people, give an opportunity for people to be saved. We had two weddings this summer. Whew, glad they're over. No, it was a sweet time, wasn't it? I mean, so what? It ruined two good Saturdays, but it was a sweet time. And, uh, but but how, how wonderful it was to watch those girls walk down the aisle and have a wedding. But you know what? What happened? We came in here, and they heard the word of God again. People came. One young man raised his hand in one of the weddings there and raised his hand and asked the Lord to come in his heart and save him. You know, I'm glad that they were able to come to a church. They still believed in the word of God. And uh, I'm going to tell, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through the vows with a couple. Uh, we're going to talk about how things we know about them and embarrass them with some stories maybe. We're always going to bring the word of God out. The purpose of the preaching is for salvation. So faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17. Also the purpose is for edification. Edification means to build up. 1 Peter 2, 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby that we build up. You know what will help us to become a better Christian? Get in church. People say, well, you know, I've heard people say, well, you know, I haven't been in church since COVID. Kind of got out. Well, then you get back in. You know, you just get back in. There was a lot of things people didn't do, but you just get back to doing what God wants you to do. We need church. We need the edification and we need the exhortation, Hebrews 13, 22, And I beseech you, brethren, suffer the word of exhortation, for I have written a letter unto you in few words. And exhortation means encouragement. You know, I thank the Lord. You know, this morning we preached about discouragement. And the message was about this, encouraging people that get discouraged. And so many people walked out of the service and said, thank you so much for that message. Now, you don't have to thank me. God put those things in the word of God. I just get, I get the blessing of just pouring it out to you. But thank the Lord for the encouragement we get from the Word of God. 
And so we find something else about this preaching here in the pulpit. It was a place of attentiveness. Look at verse number 3. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday before the men and the women and those that could understand. And the ears of all the people, notice this, were attentive unto the book of the law. You know, they, they were there listening to it. Uh, you, you know, uh, he said, uh, you need to be attentive to these things and, and heed what is said. You know, I think about, that's why, you know, I don't want folks messing around in church. You know, if somebody's messing around, sometimes I'll say, hey, listen now, pay attention. You know why? Because there's people sitting behind you, except the folks on the last row. There's somebody sitting behind you, and you know what? You can cause a distraction where nobody listens. It doesn't, let me tell you this, sitting in the pew doesn't do it. It's being attentive to the preaching of God's word that will do it. That's what will happen in our lives. We need to listen to it. That's why we want people to be quiet, listen, pay attention to it. That's why we try to make it as easy as we can to be able to come in here and hear the word of God. We need to have attention on it. Heeding God's word brings also, I was thinking about this, it brings salvation to others when we heed the word of God. You say, how in the world does that happen? Well, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16 says, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. So what happens? I'm attentive to the word of God. I listen to what God says. I take the word of God. That means I might be able to reach someone else out there. You know, a lot of people get saved not in the church house. They get saved outside the church house. But where, where, where do the folks go? Where do the folks come from? They take the word of God out there. They come from the church house. The word of God has helped them to get ready for it. Heeding, heeding God's word brings cleansing. Psalm 119, verse 9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereunto according to thy word. Well, I'll tell you, if there's ever a need for cleansing, it's today. Our minds are so dirty by everything. Let me tell you something. They can't sell anything without something dirty. They've got, to, they've got to use smut for everything they do today. And what's in our faces, I'm sick and tired. And I say, well, you need, to, you, you need to accept everything. I'm not accepting all this garbage the world's putting out today. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. You say, well, you know, you've got well, all this inclusiveness. You know, even, even now, um, uh, well, oh, I probably, you're, you're going to cry on this one. But uh, even Chick-fil-A, what they do, they hired a DEI man for Chick-fil-A. And what that is, DEI, is diversity, equity, and inclusion. Y'all know what that's about? Do you? Yeah. It's not about, well, we just want to make sure everybody. What they're saying is this. We want to make sure it's inclusive. We want to make sure that our staff, that we, that we have every kind of LGBTQT and all the rest of them. That's what it's about. Check out, I mean, there's not a place anymore that you can't, we're not touched by it. Uh, um, Walmart, check their website out. They're selling the, all the stuff for, for Pride, Pride Month. Check it out. Check out the restaurants. Check out everybody. I, I went to see about eyes. I was going to go to one place about getting my eyes worked on, and I, I went looked it up online for their, their, their phone number, and I look, and it comes up. It says, we're, uh, uh, we're, we're supportive of the LGBTQ community. i got a problem with that. You say, where do you get that problem? It's called the Word of God. If you get in the Bible, you'd have a problem about it too. I said, pray, we just need to be all inclusive. No, I, I mean, I, I believe Jesus died for the world. But when Jesus died for folks, he saved folks from their sin. Amen. The pulpit should be a place of elevation. 
The people elevated it, not the preacher. It was a place of authority. Hebrews 13, 17, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. You know, that we lift up the word of God. That's why we, we all get together here, and all of a sudden we get quiet when it's preaching time. We're elevating the word of God. That's what the pulpit's supposed to be about. The pulpit was a place of reverence. Verse number 5, the Bible said there, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, notice what the people did? All the people did what? Stood up. And that's why we do it. I don't think you, if every time you read your Bible you have to stand up, you might not read your Bible enough. You'd have to sit down. But you know when we come to church, we do that for a reason, because we honor the Word of God. When I say let's, you know, when at the, at the, at the beginning of the, uh, the message, I say for our scripture reading, let's stand in honor of the word of God. That's, that's where it comes from right there. It's not something we just made up someday. I believe there's honor to the word of God. Amen. I think we need to take care of our Bibles and teach our children to take care of their Bibles too. The people stood up. The pulpit should be a place of blessing and praise. Look at verse number six. And Ezra blessed the Lord. The great God. And all the people answered. How about this? They were they, evidently, uh, they, they got it. They said, amen, amen. With lifting up their hands. They weren't a bunch of charismatics. They were lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. You say, why did they do that? They're excited about the word of God. Oh, how we long for God's people to get excited about the word of God again. <laughs> Enough to even open our mouths and say, man, you know, some of you, you were in other denominations one time, and it was a thing where it had to be really silent right there. Let me tell you something. You're not in that denomination anymore. You ought to open your mouth and say, man, once in a while, amen. But that's what the people did when they came there, and they heard the word of God was brought there, and they preached the word of God, and the people said, amen, amen. I believe all the kids were looking and saying, what in the world? What was important? And, and mom and dad said, amen. Listen to them. What a blessing. What a blessing. The pulpit should be a place. I didn't get, let me give you another verse. Psalm 119, 117. Hold thou me up, and I shall be safe, and I will have respect unto thy statutes continually. The pulpit should be a place of blessing and praise. Verse number 6. Uh, uh, that's, that's what we were just talking about. We said amen. And uh, we should not remain silent when the word of God is brought forth. You know, uh, I, I believe we ought to behave ourselves, and I don't think you need to get up and run all, up on top of all the pews and make all kinds of noise. But I don't, think it, I don't think we ought to sit there like a bump on a log either. We're not in a funeral. We've got a celebration going on. The fact of the matter is, even in funerals, we ought not be so quiet. We've got a celebration going on there, too. There is a place called heaven, isn't there? Thank the Lord. Some have their... They're dead, they're dead ideas, but we need to still remind ourselves we're alive and we serve a risen Savior. The pulpit was be a place of agreement in verse number 6 also when the people said, Amen, Amen. They were in agreement there. The Bible says in Amos 3.3, 3, can two walk together except they be agreed? The pulpit should be a place of attendance. Verse number 7. Oh, my. There's all those names again. And all these fellows here, all righty. Look, look, look at what happened there. Go on down. Just pretend we just read those names, all right? It says, cause the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. You know what I think was neat about that? They stood in their place. There's a place for you. Amen. 
Y'all got, you know what most of all of you do? And I do the same thing. We all sit in the same spot. Until some visitor comes, takes your spot. I've offered my seat up here to visitors. You say, well, of course, nobody wants to sit up there. I know that's why I invite them, so you can have that one. But we all have our little spots. You know what? You know what's great? Be there in the spot. Be there in your place. I, I, hear, I hear horror stories of preachers saying, oh, they hate Saturday nights. And I'm like, why? Because the phone starts ringing of people coming up with all kinds of excuses why they can't be there in the morning. Sunday school teachers, choir members, everybody's like, I just can't be. You know, I thank the Lord. My, I, I never talk to anybody on Saturday night because I don't answer the phone. <laughs> no. It's not, that's not it. I'll answer the phone. Because folks are in their place. I am blessed as a pastor to have you people. Well, I can see your head swelling up right now. But honestly, you're there. That's the way it's supposed to be. You got, you got your head screwed on right. Be in the place. And that's what they were. They were in agreement and they were in attendance. The Bible, how many times we've quoted Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. The pulpit should be a place of teaching and understanding. Verse number eight, so they read the book in the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and called them to understand the reading. I'm glad we could understand the Word of God. That's one of the reasons we have Sunday school and Wednesday nights for teaching time, to help us understand. But when I preach, I try to help us to understand the preaching of the Word of God. My preacher used to say this. We ought to preach. He said, I believe in this, preaching like this, putting the peanut butter and jelly on the shelf where everybody can reach it. You know? I mean, sometimes a preacher comes in and says, I'm going to use all these big words that no one understands. What good is it going to do to put it on a shelf you can't reach? You need to be able to get it. You say, well, sometimes, preacher, it sounds like you put it on a really, really low shelf. Well, because there's kids in here, too. And sometimes I just got to get you to bend over and look once in a while. Thank the Lord. You'll get something. Hey, you find that peanut butter and jelly. Amen. Well, I started it now. I have to hurry up and quit because now you're ready to go home and eat a sandwich. But it ought to be a place of understanding. The Bible says, Matthew 28, 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. I'm glad that we can have some understanding of the Word of God. This book's not hard to understand if you read it. People say, I just don't understand it. Read it. And there are some words I don't understand. Look them up in the dictionary. That's what I do. In fact, you know, uh, with, with the word exhortation, I, I was trying to think, how, how do I explain that? You know what I did? Looked it up, Webster's 1828. Wrote it down. Simple. Anybody could do it. Kids in school could do that. Pulpit all be a place of teaching and understanding. And then lastly, the pulpit should be a place of joy and gladness. Verse number 10. Then said he unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be sorry. Here it is, here it is. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Tell you what, you can start enjoying the Lord, you'll find some strength. A bunch of weakly Christians today, weak, weak, just can't do anything because they don't find that joy in the Lord. 
It ought to be a place of joy and gladness. 1 John 1, 4 says, And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. 3 John verse 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. So what's this all about? These folks got together and said, hey, we need, we need you, preacher. need you to go get the word of God and preach it to us, read it to us. We need it. Ladies and gentlemen, we've gotten together here, and I believe with all my heart that's what you expect every time we come here. A preacher, give us the word of God. And that's what we've done again tonight, and it'll help us. We need one of the great needs today. And that, you know, people saying, what has happened to our world today? We've gotten away from the word of God. You get away from the word of God, everything happens. You know, you look back in the Bible and it talks about the, 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 the city of, of, of Sodom and Gomorrah. What happens? They, 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 they didn't have anything to do with God. They thought everything was fine. Everything went well. And, and I'm sure they could say, nothing's happened to us yet. Then the fire and brimstone fell. Something happened. Ladies and gentlemen, church is important. This pulpit here is an important place as we come. Next week, Brother Cor will be with us. It'll be an important place again. He'll, be, he'll preach the Word of God. On Sunday night, I'll preach. It'll be an important place and so on. And uh, in, in, in July, uh, Brother, uh, um, uh, Brother Lou will be with us again. And he'll preach on a Wednesday night. And you know what? He'll be preaching the Word of God. And uh, then we're going to have the, in, in July, we're going to have Brother Chamberlain will be with us on Sunday night, the 3rd, isn't it, I think? Uh, uh, July the 3rd, he'll be with us with the, the, the choir or the, 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 the tour group from uh, Landmark Baptist College will be with us on that Sunday night. But Brother Chamberlain will get behind this pulpit and there'll be the Word of God being preached. And we can go on and on and I can go on some different ones that'll be coming and you know what, every one of them there is this. The word of God be brought forth. That is the focus. The pulpit. What's your relationship with the pulpit tonight? What's your relationship with the word of God tonight? May it be what it ought to be. And like I said, the preaching from the pulpit also tells us about salvation. If you're here tonight and you're not sure you're saved, tonight would be the night to get saved, wouldn't it? Now is the day of salvation. Now is the time. A Christian tonight, we need to take, you say, well, I, I mean, may, maybe you have to say tonight, you know, preacher, I'm kind of like what you said, that I have that attitude sometimes of take it or leave it. You say, well, I like the certain things you say. You know, sometimes people, they, they really like it when you get on the, on, the, on the president or on the government or on this LGBTQ junk. And they go, hey, man, I like that stuff. Well, what about when it talks about us? We need it all, don't we? We need it all. Let's ask the Lord help us tonight. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you, Lord, for the church. Thank you for the pulpit. It means something to us. It means a whole lot to me as a preacher. I take it as responsibility. I, I look at it as, this as a sacred desk. Lord, I can come up here and say something's not true and destroy these people's lives. I must be careful to preach the Word of God, search the Scriptures daily, and and preach what the Word of God says, not what I think, not what people want to hear, but what your Word says. God, help us have the right focus upon the pulpit, not lifting the man up, but lifting the Word up. So, Father, bless tonight. Lord, if there's somebody here tonight not sure of salvation, I pray you save them. But Lord, help us tonight to do exactly what we should with our heads bowed, our eyes closed. Maybe you're here this evening, you're not sure of salvation. 
Well, if you were to die, you don't know you go to heaven. Why, well, tonight you can know for sure. It's another opportunity. I wonder if anyone here tonight said, Preacher, if I died, I don't know I'd go to heaven. But I'd like to know that. Pray for me. Would you slip your hand up? Anyone tonight? Preacher, I'm not sure. Christian tonight. What's the word of God mean to you? What's the pulpit? I hope that when we walk in this building every time that we might look at it a little bit differently. I, I, I'm, I, I'm not so concerned that you see me. I want you to see the Lord in his word. And understand, God used a man of God way back yonder to preach the word of God to the people. And we've learned tonight, we've learned tonight a lot of things the way it ought to be in the house of God. God spoke to your heart about something tonight. The old altar's open always. Maybe just tonight, and you just want to come and just say, thank you, Lord, for this place. God, have your hand of protection on this pulpit. Father, bless the word of God tonight. Bless what's been said. And, oh, God, I pray that we make right decisions tonight and save the one who may be here without you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.